Good morning. Good morning. Let's give another round of applause for our worship team this morning, y'all. I was over there in the corner sitting down and just thinking, man, the song selection was wonderful. The catechism that Essie put together was wonderful. I almost sat there and said, man, this whole thing could preach the sermon for me, right? All the selections of the song were pointing us towards God and who he is and why we can trust him. Oh, it was a great song selection this morning. We come this morning now and we'll have some sisters that will be passing out Bibles. You can take this as a gift from ARC. If you don't have a Bible that's your own, take this Bible, raise your hand. We have some men and women walking down the aisle. This Bible can be yours if you don't have one. If you don't have a copy of God's word for yourself, take this, put your name in it, and take it home with you. This will be your gift from us at ARC. Let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer before I bring us his word. Lord God, we are weak finite creatures to gaze upon the holy and righteous and just eyes should be a fearful event. So Lord, we ask God that as we dive into the depths of the mysteries of who God is, that we would know that to know about God is an inexhaustible journey. But Lord, we ask God that this morning that you would help us to know who you are. Help us to know, God, why it is that you've loved us so. Lord, we pray that by the end of this message this morning that we would either continue and want to love you even more and learn more about you, or that some of us here would, for the first time, turn and truly know God. We place our trust in Jesus and be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God exists in all creation. I'm lovingly devoted to many gods. And it's through meditation on the oneness that I find my spiritual perfection. I am a God, rather we all are gods. We have all the power within ourselves to be divine. There is no God. The purpose of life is to purify the heart, to let go of all yearnings, sensual desires, and attachment to self. I long for nirvana. God is Allah. He is creator of all things. And everything happens by his will. But God is unknowable, yet I am devoted to Allah, hoping one day that I will be in paradise. I believe that God is one an eternal creator of all things, 
and I can have a personal relationship with him, even right now. Hindus acknowledge multitudes of gods and goddesses. The Buddhist says there is no deity. The New Age spirituality say that they can be gods. Muslims believe in a powerful God, but an unknowable God. And Christians, well, we believe that God is loving and the one who created all things and he created us to know him and to worship him. Well, this morning, if you're joining us, we have just concluded a series called the Covenant Community, which was going through our church covenant. And today we're going to continue a sermon series that actually started for the, I think it was the first sermon a few months ago um, in March, I believe, by um, a pastor who was coming, who's planting a church in West Palm Beach, Florida, named Jeremy uh, Barahona, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And he came and he taught us about what the Bible teaches about God's word. So just continuing that series this morning, I have the opportunity of teaching us about what God's word, what, what the Bible teaches about God. It's going to be a sermon on the doctrine of God. As we discuss this topic this morning, I just want us to remember this verse. Psalm 139, verse 6 says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. This is a large topic to speak about the doctrine of God, and I just want us to have in our minds etched in that this, is, this knowledge, some things that we may not truly be able to understand, although we see it in God's word, it's too high for us, right? It's too high for us to attain. Who can attain it? If you're taking notes this morning, this is how the progression of the sermon will be. Point one will be who God is not. Point two will be who God is. Point three will be where God appears to us. Point four will be how can we know God. And point five, the last point, will be what difference does it make for our lives? Point one, who God is not. As we just briefly surveyed the major religions of the world, we can see that God is described in various ways. It really all depends on who you ask, who God is, what they will say to you. As you can see how I just laid out a few different religions and what they think about God, or if they believe in God at all. But can all of these different religions and ideologies truly be a representation of God? Can all of them represent God rightly? I want to argue this morning, no, they can't. There's only one true God. God is not many, but one. God is not unknowable and impersonal. We are not God. And he is not the God of the Muslims. And he is not the God of the New Agers, and he is not the God of the Hindus. There is one God, and he is Lord, and there is no other. So who is this God? This will bring us to our next point. 
But while we're getting there, turn your Bibles now to Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 and 6. We're going to be in, we're going to look at many different scripture verses today, and I, I won't ask you to flip through all over the Bible, but, but if, if you are one who, again, takes notes, I, I would recommend to you that you write down these Bible verses that I will give through the course of this sermon and go back and study them for yourself, just so you can have a richer knowledge of who our God is. Isaiah 45, verse 5 and 6. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Again, God is one. But the way that God has revealed himself to us in the Bible is that this one God has revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about the Holy Trinity first, just to kind of not really to get it out the way, it's not important, but I won't spend much time on that doctrine this morning because our Pastor T gave us a great treatment of it last Sunday. I would recommend that you go back and take a listen to that sermon if you'd like to to think more deeply about the doctrine of, of the Holy Trinity. And also, too, um, this past Advent season, our brother Michael Gormley preached an excellent sermon from John 1, having us also think a little bit more deeply about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. So those two sermons I would recommend to you to go back and take a listen to if you want to dive a little bit more into the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. So point two, who is God? As we're talking about who God is this morning, uh, in theological jargon, there's normally split, his attributes are normally split into two different pairs of groupings. You have incommunicable attributes. That word just means incommunicable means attributes that God does not share with us. Things that are unique to God. So those are the attributes that I'll be focusing on this morning. The ones that I will not be focusing on are the communicable attributes. And those are the ones that we share with God, such as goodness, such as love, so on and so forth. So the first one, God is spirit. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit. And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. Charles Octavius Booth, a Baptist pastor, in the 19th century, wrote a book called Plain Theology for Plain People. And he writes this, we have not a single word in history of Eden, which denotes that Adam and Eve ever saw the form of God. It is said that they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the garden. Even from the beginning, Adam and Eve the Bible doesn't tell us that they saw a form of God. But as Charles Octavius Booth wrote, it just says, the Bible just says that they heard his voice. So we too, brothers and sisters and friends among us, we don't know what God looks like. Therefore, we are not to make any images to try to represent a God. We have no idea what, a God, what God looks like. He is not like us with different body parts. 
right? He is spirit. God is spirit. God is eternal. Psalm 90, verses 1 through 2, right, say this. The Lord has been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth and ever had been formed, the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting is our God. Our God is eternal. Time and space does not constrain God. There are no restraints over God. Simply put, God can do anything he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Our God knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. God is eternal. God is self-existent or independent. We see this in Exodus 3, verse 14. God commands Moses to go back to Egypt. And he says, you know, go back to Egypt, get my people, get out of there. Moses, as y'all know the story, was a fearful man. And so he he asked God, well, what do you want me to tell the people of Israel when I go back? They're going to ask me who sent me. He says, tell them I am who I am sent you. You know, upon reading that, we say, I am who I am. And, and it almost kind of makes no sense. But, but I was thinking more about it. I mean, this is probably the, one of the only ways that God could explain his self-existence to a mere man, to a finite creature. Like, I, I am, and I've always been. And, and that's how I can explain myself to you. I am who I am. There's nothing that defines God. He just is, right? There's nothing that God needs to be God or to help him to remain to be God. Again, God just is. Even if everything else were to be removed, God would still be God. Let that just sit with you for a second and think about that. God is self-existent. God is unchangeable, or the technical term that's often used in systematic theology is God is immutable, right? So God is unchangeable. He's immutable. Malachi 3, 6 says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. In my triad group, we've been going through the book of Malachi, and if you know the story, Malachi is the last prophet before the New Testament book of Matthew. And you come to Malachi and you would think that through the history of God's people, that they would have actually at some point continued to, or, or actually started listening and paying attention to him and obeying his commands. That's not what happens though. You come to Malachi and the prophet, God is speaking through the prophet Malachi and he's saying the same exact things that he was telling the people of Israel even from the time that God called them as people. He was calling them to repent. He was calling them to stop worshiping false idols. He was doing this over and over again. Listen to me, brothers and sisters and friends. We're so fickled that we would have wiped away every single last one of the Israelites for rebelling against us over and over again. We would never have kept our promises, but that's not true with God. All of God's promises, he keeps and they will last because God is unchangeable. That's why he says he did not consume them. God is 
unchanging. God is omnipotent. Omnipotent, what does that mean? It's all powerful, right? So we're talking about God's power here. And in Jeremiah 32, in Jeremiah 32, verse 17, Jeremiah says this about God. Ah, oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah is saying, God made the heavens. God made the earth. There's nothing that's too hard for God if he can make the heaven and the earth, right? And, and, and God follows up to this in, in verse 27 of Jeremiah 32, where he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Man, so not only the heaven and the earth he made, but then God also says that all flesh belongs to him. Is anything too hard for him? It's not. It's not, brothers and sisters. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. If you have your Bible still open, this is one place you can turn because this point and the next one, we'll be looking at Psalm 139. And so in, one, in Psalm 139, let's take a look at verse 7. I'll read 7 through 10. Maybe we'll look at 11 and 12 also. But we're talking now about God being everywhere all the time. And this is what the psalmist David writes in Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And David even goes on to say, if I say surely the darkness will cover over me, nah, because the light is about, and, and the light about me be night. Even if darkness, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is light with you. I mean, David says whether he goes high or low, God is there, right? If he goes west, east or west, God is there. He even says that if he were to cover himself in darkness, the Lord God would be able to find him because he's so glorious that even the darkness would become light. There's no place that we can hide from God, right? And not even thinking about hiding him in, from him in, in that sense, but, but those who are the children of God, when nobody else sees you, God sees you. God knows that you're there. God feels your pain. He knows it all too well. That's why God is not like us. Okay, we will fail each other over and over again, but God will never fail you. We just sung about that this morning. Remember that. Remember that truth about God. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient all-knowing, right? So we're, again, we're going to look back at Psalm 139. We'll look at the first five verses of that psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. 
You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, behold, our Lord knows it all together. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Hmm. God knows everything. Again, we see David here saying, Lord, you know the words that are on my tongue before I even speak them. Oh, beloved, I want us to even think more that not only does he know the words before we speak them, he knows the very things that are milling up in our hearts even right now this morning. God knows everything. He knows, again, the beginning from the end, right? He, he, he knows when we lie down. He knows when we wake up. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now. He knows what's going to happen 100 years from now if the Lord continues to tarry. Nothing takes God off guard. Nothing catches him off guard. He knows everything. Brothers and sisters, he knows everything. God is omniscient. Point three, where God appears to us. So when we think about a God appearing to us and where he appears to us, again, in, in the realm of theology and, you know, theology, of course, right, as many of us know, but I just want to be clear, is the study, is the study of God, right? That's what theology is, the study of God. So in the realm of theology, where God appears to us is normally described in these ways general revelation and specific revelation. And that's how I'll be talking about it in this section. General revelation, the way God has, has generally revealed himself to us is in creation. So in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 2, right, God says that the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork, right? And day by day, they pour out speech and even the night reveals knowledge, our sister read Romans 1 earlier today, and Romans 1.20 says this, I'll say it again, for the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that nobody, no one is without excuse about knowing who God is. No one. All of us can know who God is by looking towards the sun, seeing that for for more than a few seconds, we can't stare at it, for it would blind us. Or, or, or even thinking this morning as I was out and feeling the breeze blowing. It almost reminds me of what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You don't know which way the wind blows. I don't. I'm standing there and I feel the breeze. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where it's going, but I feel it. All these things are meant to point us back to God. Second one underneath this point is, general, is specific revelation. Now, specific revelation, what we're talking about here is the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Right? Even from the beginning, from the onset of the Bible, it opens up in Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In the beginning, God. God is, is first there in the first sentence of the Bible. 
you look in John chapter 5, verse 39, and Jesus is sitting there and he's talking with the Pharisees as he, as he would engage with them. And he says, you guys search the scriptures all day long, thinking that they're going to bring you eternal life. But really, the scriptures bear witness about me. All of the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, bear witness about God. All of it. So not only general revelation and creation that we see God appearing to us, but we also see God appearing to us in the Holy Scriptures, in the Bible. Point four. How can we know God? Again, before even starting this, right, we, we said that God cannot be known fully. It's inexhaustible. But God can be known truly. John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. To truly know God is to have eternal life. To have eternal life is to truly know God. Well, well now the question begs us is how, how is it that we truly know God, or how is it rather that we have eternal life? Well, we must be born again, right? We must have new heart. We must have new eyes. We must have new desires. We must have new passions. See, the thing about it is, friends, and brothers and sisters among us, all of us once followed our own passions. Our hearts were bent towards distrusting God. Our hearts were bent towards not loving him. Our hearts and our eyes were looking and gazing towards things that are not God and worshiping them as though they are him. The Bible clearly tells us that this is sin. And what God tells us in this, that he will punish sin. How will God punish sin? Well, God is going to punish sin by an eternal separation. This is known to the Christian as hell. And that is terrible news today. For those who do not find themselves trusting and believing in Jesus, that is terrible news. Because God being so good and so righteous and so just, he has to punish rebellion against him. He will punish rebellion against him. But the good thing about it is that God in his love and his kindness and his goodness, he didn't leave us in that state. He sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, obeying all of God's commands, doing what it was that we were supposed to do but can't. And not only that, living that perfect life, but he would be the sacrifice. He would be the penalty for our sin. He would die for our sin. And not only that, not only living and not only dying, but three days later, God would raise him from the grave. Showing that that sacrifice was accepted by God, that he is perfect, that Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. My brothers and sisters, we're sitting here and we're believing that, and that's good news for us. 
And friends, I'll tell you, that's good news for you too. If you don't know this Jesus, you can come to know this Jesus right now, today. You can turn away from your passions and your desires and everything else that you're longing for that is not pleasing to God. And you can turn right now from your sin and place your trust in Jesus. I mean, I beg you from, from, from this, this stage right now to do that. You've seen all that I've said about God, all who he is. Are you going to continue to trust your money? Are you going to continue to trust your status? Are you going to continue to trust in yourself? When I just told you God owns everything and he does whatever he pleases, turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus. What difference does this make for our lives? By knowing about God, it will cause us to live differently in this world. It should cause us to live differently in this world. We should be expectant for the world to come. We should be expectant, especially those who find themselves covered by God's grace in Christ. We should be longing and expecting his appearing. We're longing to see God. But not only that, we, we, by knowing God, it gives us purpose. It adds some rationale and reason to our lives, right? We know that there's a God in heaven who is justly and rightly ruling over all things. And, bec and because we, we know that this God is is rightly and justly ruling over all things, we can be assured of a couple things this morning, brothers and sisters. And, and even you, friend, that will turn from your sin and place your trust in Jesus this morning, you can be assured of these things today. Because God is eternal, we can be assured that while the world passes away, God will never pass away. Regardless of time, God will always be there. He is always. He was, he is, and he will always be. We can find great hope in that today, that we have the surety of knowing our God is eternal. Because he is self-existent, we can be assured that he doesn't need anyone to be God. Right? He will always be God. It's not like when I get up in the morning and I'm like, man, I feel nervous. I don't even know if I can preach this sermon and maybe try to not do it. Although I'm up here, right? But, but, but God is one who he, he, he will never, ever feel nervousness or never, ever feel like he's not going to be God. He always is God. There's no changing that about him. Right? There's nothing that's going to make him say one morning, you know what, I don't want to be God today. I'm not going to let the sun rise. Or I'm not going to be God today. When Colin is sleeping, I'm just going to let oxygen stop going in and out of his lungs. Have y'all ever thought about that? When you're sleeping, how is it that you're kept? Is God keeping you? 
It's God by his power allowing you to breathe air in and out as you sleep in a state of unconsciousness. That's God. Because God is unchangeable, we can be assured that all his promises will last. All his promises will remain. We can even look at the scope of the Bible and we can see that God had promised from the beginning, even in Genesis chapter 3, that he would send a savior that would come and that would reconcile man to God. He did that in Christ. And because of Jesus and because of his life and his death and the resurrection, there's a promise that one day we will see God face to face. Jesus tells his followers that he's leaving, that he will leave them and go prepare a place for them. These promises, all these promises that God has made to us, because he is true, because he's unchangeable, they will last. We can hold on to them, brothers and sisters. I know there's times, even in my life, and I'm sure in yours, where you feel like, you know what, I, I don't know if I can keep pressing forward because of circumstances, because of the way we feel. Man, it's, it's good to be real about your feelings and your emotions. I'm not saying don't, but don't let them rule you. And don't let them explain away the truth about God that I'm talking about this morning. God is unchangeable. Because God is omnipotent, he can do anything. Cure cancer, he can do it. Keep you safe regardless of your circumstances, he can do it. Race spiritually dead people back to life, he can do it. Raise the physical dead, he has done it. Right? There is nothing that our God cannot do. When you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I need, I need some finances for such and such. God already had, can take care of that for you. God knows what it is that you need. So while you're saying, man, I need a different job, I need this and that, you know, when I think about God's omnipotence, when I think about who God is, does it cause us to drive to him in prayer? Are we praying to this God about these things? He owns everything, everything. He can do whatever it is that he wants to do. It's not, again, it's not too hard for our God. God is omnipresent. So we can be assured again that he will always see us. He's listening, right? Even when nobody else is, he's there. He's hears us. He's listening. He always has an eye on you. He always, he's always there. When you think no one else is there, God is there. He's in your corner. He's with you. And I'm telling you, again, don't go on feeling because it may not feel like God is there. But he is there because he's everywhere all the time. You can be assured of that. You can find rest in that, knowing that God is always with you. God is omniscient, again. We can be assured that there's nothing that surprises God. We're surprised all the time. I came in this morning and lovely sister Miss Carol blowing bubbles. That surprised me. I, I never seen it before. You know, that took me off guard. 
bubble smacking a brother in the face. I'm like, okay. But, but it, was, it was a surprise to me. God knew she was going to blow those bubbles before he founded the world. You hear me? <laughs> those bubbles that she was blowing from that little gun, God knew that that was going to happen before the world was brought to form. Just think about that for a second. What's going to happen tomorrow, God already knows. God knows all things. Hallelujah is right. That's the right response. So therefore, we can trust him with our very lives because he knows where we'll be tomorrow. He knows all things. Brothers and sisters, all these things that you're hearing now about this great God, the one that we love and serve, doesn't this make you want to love him more? Doesn't this make you want to trust him more? Doesn't this make you want to know God more? And he's given us means to be able to do that. He's given us the body. We can fellowship amongst each other to get glimpses and pieces of knowing who God is. We can spend time in his word so we can know more and more about who God is. We can spend time in prayer to hear from God. And all these things, they can, go in one, they can go in one of two directions. Either you say, man, I know these things about God and I don't need to know anything else. So I'm not going to open my Bible. I'm not going to fellowship. I'm not going to pray. Or you can go to the other extreme and say, I want to know so much about God that I just get so puffed up with knowledge that I can just walk around with a big head explaining all things about God to everyone. But again, God is inexhaustible. We can't even know all these things about God. But rather, what it is that we are to know these things about God is so that we could love him, so that we could glorify him, and so that we can enjoy him together. God wants us to enjoy him. That's why he's revealed himself to us in such a way. And friends, if you don't know this God, but truly want to know this God, you can know this God today. Again, you can know this God right now. Just turn from trusting in yourself. Turn from trusting in your money. Turn from trusting in whatever it is fill in the blank that you think will continue to keep you. It's only temporary. God is eternal. So turn to faith in Christ and you too can truly know this God. Let us pray. Lord God, Father, we thank you that you alone are God that you alone know the beginning from the end and everything that is in the middle. It's you, God, that we are to place our trust in because you've created us and you've created all things, Lord. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're everywhere all the time. We are not, Lord. Our moods swing from day to day, moment to moment. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but you do. So, Lord, we pray that we would leave this morning and that we would scatter about 
loving and honoring this God and telling the world about him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.